0: Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called, Hey, Who's in Charge Anyway? And we'll be looking at a biblical model for leadership. Let's think about the pattern of God's leadership and how can we follow his example as we lead others? Let me begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we've been able to talk about leadership. And talking about leadership, we talk about you. We ask you today to be with us, to be our, not only our God, but our guide, our teacher, our helper, our transformer. Thank you, Lord. Lead us forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. But we are in our eighth and last session on, hey, who's in charge anyway? We're talking about leadership in the Bible. And in this last of eight messages, we're kind of wrapping it up, putting it all together. Well, just a quick recap. We've been looking at leadership in the Bible. The picture of God's leadership in the Bible, the primary metaphor, is the shepherd model. and that informs us that the pattern of God's leadership as far as what he actually does with us and for us as our leader is he leads, develops, and cares for us. That's the pattern of the shepherd leadership that God and Jesus do for us. And then the products of that study of of the shepherd model is the implications of that as we learn more about how God is leading us And therefore, also, if we're to be imitators of God, how we should lead ourselves and others. And you think about these three things. Look at that. Look on your card there. Lead, develop, and care. All three of them, powerful, all three of them, necessary, not necessarily comfortable, neither for the leader nor the follower. It's not always easy to be the one that has to lead out because people are sometimes contrary, and you're not omniscient, so you make a decision, you make the call, but you might not be right, and you have to, that's where you have to walk in trust, isn't it? It's not always easy to lead. It's very challenging to develop, because the things people most need to be, de- be developed in, they don't want to be developed in. They want you to leave them alone, uh, and so you don't get a whole lot of thanks for being for being truly developmental when you're trying to get your... Your husband to change a certain behavior, or your wife to change a certain behavior, when you're trying to get your children to change a certain behavior, you're not going to get applause and presence saying, oh, I'm so glad, finally somebody's trying to help me uh, get better. There's resistance. Uh, It's it's often a, a sort of a negative experience, and care Uh, you would think, well, at least care makes you popular, but some people don't want to be cared for, or they're wanting you to do things for them that you really shouldn't do, because that's something they should take care of themselves. So, all to say, when we say lead, develop, and care, uh, it's, it's complicated, it's heavy, but it's so important. This is, like we said, how God leads, whether it makes Him popular or not. This is what's good and right and best. And in the long run, brings the best results by God in our lives and by our leadership in the lives of others. I thought of what, what could we look at just to add to our biblical picture of this. And I thought I'd take us back to the Old Testament. And yet I'll take you there through a book in the New Testament. Hebrews 9 verse 4 talks about the sanctuary that they built in the wilderness. And in verse 3, Hebrews 9, 3 says, Behind the second veil, in other words, the, the, uh, the veil in the middle of the temple, there was a tabernacle which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold. And now let's look at what was inside this box. There was a golden jar holding the manna, Aaron's rod, which had budded and the tables of the covenant." In other words, the Ten Commandments. Now, you remember that other, all the other nations, they also had gods, but how would they worship their god? They would make an image, right? They would make an idol. They would build it out of something solid. It might might be stone, but often it was out of a precious metal because that was, seemed even more appropriate. If you had an exalted god, you wouldn't make him out of aluminum. You'd make him out of silver or gold, the best you could get. Guess they didn't know what platinum was at that point. And so so and they would have that at the center of their worship. So interesting, isn't it, that at the center of the worship of Jehovah, there is no image. There is no pictures. There's not some photograph uh, in the box to say, worship, that this is your God. What's in the box? It's symbols of how God leads us. And notice what they are. The first one, what is it? The manna, the jar of manna. That speaks of God's care. The second is Aaron's rod, which was, you can read it later if you want, but to refresh your memory, but that was, that was where they were pushed back about, well, why does Aaron get to be uh, the priest? And how can, why can't we vote on it? Or why can't we, we feel like we should be priests too? And so. God has Aaron's rod, Bud, to say, no, I'm in charge, and I'm the one that says who's in charge on the earth. In in other words, he was leading. And then the Ten Commandments, the table of the Ten Commandments, that's God's development. How are these people going to know how to walk with a holy God unless he teaches them, models them, coaches them? The Ten Commandments. So you see, lead, develop, and care. How God is with us, how God leads us, is what fills the Ark of the Covenant. And this is the God we worship, our great leader. Now, we have finished looking at how God leads and how we're to lead, and I want you just to notice, I'm sure there are different ways of drawing this. These are just sort of obvious concepts, but put all together here. But this model captures and expresses how to lead like Jesus like the good shepherd. And I want to ask you a question. Do you want to lead like Jesus? I mean, what alternatives do you have? Lead like the devil? Uh, lead like the Republicans? Lead like the Democrats? libertarians? I don't know. Uh, if we're going to vote, let's just vote for Jesus. Let's lead like Jesus. And with this model that, that just comes out of the scriptures as we look at the shepherd model, as we look into the Ark of the Covenant, as we look at the life of Jesus. This model that comes out at us of lead, develop, care. It's simple enough to be clear. It's complex enough to be useful. It's comprehensive enough to cover the essentials of people leadership. It's sticky enough to be memorable. It's visual enough to easily pass on to others. It's applicable in all leadership arenas. How you lead yourself, how you lead in your family, how you lead in your marriage, how you lead at work, how you lead in the church. It's good for the rest of your life. It's not prescriptive. It doesn't give you all the answers, but it guides your thinking in biblical ways. It helps the people you lead feel visible and valued. It helps you become a trusted leader that others want to follow. That seems pretty useful, doesn't it? and very challenging. So now let's think in terms of God with you, because he's the one that has set the pace on that. And uh, Deuteronomy 8 2 says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you, these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And it goes on to say, He let you be hungry. He fed you with manna so you would learn man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God was leading and developing and caring for them in the wilderness, and that's how it's been in your life as well. We, when we started off our series, we said actually God in our lives started with care. He had to. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. He's raised us from the dead. That's His care. He's providing for us, raising us from the dead and connecting with us. And that's the gospel, receiving the gospel of God of Jesus Christ, we're receiving God's care. And then the lead part of God in our lives, that's that's talking about the Lordship of Christ, that he's, He's in charge, He's in control. I belong to Him, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, and I need to seek to know what's the Lord's will and to do it. And then God's development in our lives, that we're supposed to not just come to Christ, but we're supposed to grow up in Him. We're supposed to imitate God. We're supposed to grow in Christ likeness. God is in the process of working on you and me, and we've actually asked Him to do that. We've we've sang these songs for years. Say, Lord, make me more like You. Change me, Lord, etc. So then He sends things in our lives that are very developmental because they're so horribly uncomfortable, and and, and uh, unexpected, and painful. And we said, God, what are you doing? I thought you were taking care of me. And He says, Well, I'm. I'm also committed to developing you. Remember, you asked me to do that. I says, Well, God, I didn't want you to do it this way. Isn't there an easier way to do this? Like this is. He says, Well, the best development hurts, uh, but it's still good. So God is looking for our ultimate good, our highest glory in Him, and so sometimes that is a painful path, but it's a good path because He's good. His ends are good. His heart is good toward you. And I want you to notice as God leads us, as He develops us, and He cares for us, for us to respond well and appropriately, all three of those require humility. We have to be humble enough to receive the gospel. We have to be humble enough to submit ourselves to God's will in our lives. And we have to be humble enough to continue to um, be willing to walk in the uncomfortable path of development, of growing in our character and in our conduct, of growing to be more like Jesus. You can't keep growing and developing uh, if you're not willing to admit you're not there yet. Well, now let's think we've thought about God leading us, but it doesn't stop there. Each of us is supposed to lead ourselves. You think, well, you could think, well, I I don't lead myself. Other people lead me. Particularly if you're a young person, you might might be saying, well, I don't know. I suppose God's in charge if if there's a God. I mean, a lot of young people try to figure out, is there a God or not? A lot of people seem to think there is, but some people don't. What do I think? And a young person can feel like, well, it's kind of my parents and my teachers and just the world at large, but actually every person is responsible for themselves. Um, Like Ephesians 4.28, it says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is the person beginning to take responsibility, not living life like a thief who just sees what other people has have and wants to get it at a low cost, but growing to where you take responsibility for your life, you do what you can to live peaceably and make a living. But it doesn't just stop there that you take responsibility for yourself, but you also get to the place where you can be generous. You're not just taking care of your own needs, standing on your own feet, but you're also available to lift up one that, that's at a point of need and you're, you're interested, you have an others focus. Someone once said that, that one of the key inflection points in a person's growth, and, and this has implications for us discipling people too, is moving someone from being a taker to a giver. That's one of the biggest challenges uh, you have as parents, helping your children realize it's more blessed to give than to receive. Every child wants to be happy, but they don't, they're not born knowing what is the path to happiness. But the words of the Lord Jesus were, you really want to be happy? Learn to be a giver, not just a taker. Well, as you think about your own self-leadership, that you are responsible to lead, develop, and care in your life under, under the leadership of God. You see, nobody's in charge of everything. You don't, you're not, you don't get to say, well, I'm not a leader because I'm not in charge of everything. Nobody but God is in charge of everything. We're always under his leadership. But he has made us responsible to lead, develop, and care in our own lives. For example, let's think about, let's think about this, this uh, simple model on a specific example for someone personally. say Let's say a person is in debt. They have a huge uh, unresolved credit card debt or, or whatever, whatever it is. And so they, they're going to look at the lead part, they need to set a new direction. I'm going to set a direction to not be in debt. Then they're going to look at what are the alignment issues Well, what are the things then that I can't do anymore and I've what changes I have to make, what are the practical implications if I'm going to start getting out of debt. How about motivate? So they need to think about, well, why do I want to get out of debt? Why would that be important? for me personally, for my marriage, for my family, etc., and manage what do I need to set up in order to bring structure and accountability that it's not just a thought I had at January, on January 1st, but by June 30th, that by that date in six months, I will be out of debt. What, what, what kind of would help you to manage that situation? But because you are in debt, there may be, Issues that keep defeating you and getting out of debt. So you might be also have to think in terms of develop What is it as far as new information that would help me? Maybe I need to take that course by Dave Ramsey or whatever. I need new input new information and The model part who who is someone else that in the last two years has gotten out of debt That maybe I could talk with them and see how they did it what helped and learn from their experience and finally coaching is there someone that that uh, knows more about this, that's more financially savvy than I am, that could kind of walk with me through this and make sure I don't get off track. And the care part. I need to know myself better to understand, how did I let this happen in the first place? I need to connect with the deep desires in myself to realize, well, that's why I overspent, because I'm seeking life in whatever it was I was spending all that money on, that wasn't actually necessary, and yet I had a hunger inside that was trying to be satisfied. And provide and protect, I'm not so sure on that. You don't always necessarily find a way to apply each one of them. But again, this is a framework to guide your thinking. It helps you to ask the questions. You could do the same thing with your, with your need to set up, once again, an exercise program, uh, a diet and weight loss thing that's going to help you any number of things, but your self-leadership. It can guide your thinking so that you're thinking like a leader. Thinking like a leader and leading well yourself. God will ask us to give an account someday for our self-leadership. And third, in the lives of others. Nobody's born leading other people. Well, I suppose maybe if a baby is a king born a king you know but even then they'll have a regent that rules in their place so they're not actually you know one-year-old ordering people around although all two-year-olds order everybody around so I realized uh, they are born thinking they're kings even if they're not but eventually you are actually officially in charge of other people of children at work in church in different settings In 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4, says, "'Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, "'exercising oversight, not under compulsion, "'but willingly, as God would have you, "'not for shameful gain, "'not doing it just for what you can get out of it, "'but eagerly, generously, "'not domineering over those in your charge, "'but being examples to the flock. "'And when the chief shepherd appears,' "'you see, as a shepherd, you're never the top shepherd. "'You're always an under-shepherd.'" because the chief shepherd will appear someday and ask you about your flock. And to the degree that goes well, he says, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. You see, leadership is very important to God. Accepting that responsibility, carrying it seriously, carrying it out well. I want to give you some examples of how uh, this model can be used as you think about people. Uh, I asked my daughter if I could share this one, but we were visiting uh, one time and their daughter Lily was having a, going through a hard time. She was, I think, uh, three, three years old or a bit, and usually it would happen around supper time. I'm sure later on I'm going to get corrected on the details, but anyway, it's still a good story even if I don't get it right. But Lily would start to get uh, agitated and upset, and they would ask her to calm down, and they are fixing supper, and lots of things are going on, three or four children there. And she would just kind of finally have just quite a loud, energetic meltdown, uh, which was very uncomfortable for everyone. And so we, this, but and it was a pattern. And so... We asked uh, the parents if they'd like to talk about that later on, and uh, so we, we had a time after the kids were in bed, and asked, we began talking about it, and they explained sort of how, how the situation was going and what they would tried, and so then we asked, well, do you think this is more of a lead, develop, or care issue, and they thought about it for a bit, and Thought well, we are leading, so it's not as though we haven't been leading, and we're still getting what we're getting, and that's not going well. It's probably probably something that she'll grow out of anyway. She's just three and a half, and it's part of it is just the stage of life. Uh, we think maybe it's more of a care issue. We so, said, well, let's suppose it is a care issue. Do you think it's more of a no, connect, provide, or protect issue? And they thought about that for a bit, and they said, well. We think maybe it's a connect issue. We can tell that right before she melts down, she's really trying to communicate something to us and we're kind of busy and and not really uh, giving her any focused attention. We just want her to be quiet. And the outcome of the conversation was, well, maybe if uh, just for a moment one of us, one of the parents would zero in and say, Lily, what is it you're concerned about or bothered about, and just really focus in on her and see if that would make a difference. And they ended up doing that, and it, and it did seem to make a difference. In fact, uh, about a year or two later, something similar happened at our house with Lily, and I remembered that, and I called her over and sat her on my lap, and we talked, and once again, it seemed like that really made a difference. So you see how using this as sort of a a diagnostic to think, well, what's really the issue? Is it more of a lead, develop, or care issue, or combination? And depending on which one you land on, uh, if it was a, a lead issue, is it more of a set direction, align, motivate, or manage issue? And thinking about what would be my next step? You might not be right, but anyway, it gets you thinking specifically about what might be missing. You could do this with, uh, say you have a teenager and their room is always messy and you're setting a direction that this needs to change and you think about, well, what needs to be aligned with that? What would motivate that person to have their, keep their room clean? How could you manage that? And you might realize it's, this is mostly maybe a developmental thing. And when we talk about development, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we said, you, you develop a person in their thinking their behavior or character maturity and their skills. And what is it in this person's thinking, this teenager's thinking, that's keeping them from valuing their room being straight? What is it that they don't understand about the world and about themselves that they think chaos is a plus? And what, is there anything I could do to help change their thinking to a more adult and responsible way of viewing it and realizing that every choice you make in your personal life has an impact outside of your personal life. Something else you could do is clean up the room with them so that you have made sure you've got the same definition of what does success look like. Because you could say, clean up your room, and they come out later, and you go back, and the room looks horrible. And he said, I told you to clean up your room. She says, well, I did clean up my room. And you realize, oh, we have a different definition of success. So that's thinking developmentally. It's putting more time into it to do a good job of developing. And also on on the cleaning up the room, you might need to do more in terms of know and connect to draw them out in terms of, well, what's your philosophy of how your private space ought to be and why? And that shows that you respect their thinking, it's not just what you think. You want to take into account what they think. You want to connect with them. I I realize this is maybe hard work and you, you wish I wouldn't do this, but having that sense of empathy and understanding with them. Another example might be in your marriage. With your marriage, what are we doing to lead, develop, and care in our relationship? What direction are we setting? Are we aligned with that? What motive, what's motivating us right now to grow deeper and stronger in our relationship? And what do we need to set up in terms of managing it that's going to help hold us there? How do we need to develop in our marriage? A lot of couples really have a hard time talking, and the more they try, the worse it gets. And having some more instruction, Modeling and coaching can help you get to where you do a better job of communicating uh, what you need to say. There are things that you have to say that are uncomfortable in a marriage relationship. And usually uh, in in any marriage relationship, one one person is more forthcoming and the other is less forthcoming just because we're never exactly equal. And so some are quite declarative and others are reticent. Maybe they're peacemakers or they're fearful, like I have been in my marriage at times. And for me to learn to be more courageous, to face the music, to say what I need to say, and for us to have a real conversation. You see, that's a developmental thing. It's, It's taken us decades working on that. But we're growing and... I'm getting a little better, aren't I?" She nods, good. Uh, when you think of, of in, your, in your marriage, of the know and connect, provide and protect, the book His Needs, Her Needs is so good in terms of what is it your spouse really needs from you emotionally? What fills their tank? Uh, what, what strengthens your marriage bond? How can you know and connect better as a couple? At work, perhaps you have an underperforming employee, and they, maybe they just like to do everybody else's work. They're very uh, positive, and, and yet they're not particularly faithful in doing their own stuff, or it could be for some other reason, but they're really not getting their job done. What are you going to do to lead, develop, and care for that person? Set, setting the direction, keeping a close accountability, seeing are there any developmental issues, And is there anything that you're unaware of in terms of care? I had an employee one time where I, looking back now, looking through this, I realized what I did wrong. They really wanted to be developed, and so I I had an activity coming up where they were going to, I was going to get them to prepare something. I knew they tended to be, to postpone things, so I, I set some real clear deadlines. Well, they missed all the deadlines, But I had this pattern of just being busy about my stuff, so I really didn't pay adequate attention. And when it came right down to it, they didn't do what was asked, and they got frustrated with me. We ended up having to do a relational healing later on over it because they were so offended with me. But uh, as I look back on it now, I realize, you know what I really missed? I just wasn't willing to give it that much energy. And he said he wanted to be developed, so I found a cheap way to do that. And I really could have done a better job on care. There were some personal needs in his family that were quite severe, and I had not really invested the time to know and connect with him and with his family on those needs. And that left us kind of depleted on the trust level. So when we hit the bumps during the develop, uh, that trust was, was broken. So anyway, this helped me to realize it wasn't all his fault. I could have been a more shepherd-like leader, uh, but I was busy about my own things. Well, that just gives you some examples. I do want you to look at on the back of your page, your handout, and you'll see two kind of things you could do on your own uh, with, with someone that looks to you for leadership. Or if right now you don't have someone, you could put yourself... But to think through, put your name in there on the planning form and, and at the top, and then, and then go down and, and say, well, well, set direction. If it's you, for you personally, it's like, what direction am I setting for my life right now? And work your way down through that. If it's a person, if it's your spouse, or if it's someone at work, or someone at church that looks to you for leadership, or maybe your Bible study group, it could be a, a team, a group of people. But to think through, it, it is, you know, and you don't have to put something in every space, but just think through. What's the direction setting? Are there any alignment issues? What's the motivation level and what can it do about that? Manage. Is there anything in terms of teach, model, coach, no, connect, provide, protect? So that's a planning form. And then down below is a diagnostic tool that I already talked you through. That's what we did with Lily. It's the face tool. You focus on what's the issue? What, what do you think really is the issue here? For example, you might do that with that messy room of a teenager. What What's really the issue here? Is it Is it that their room is a mess or is it that that expresses and promotes unthoughtfulness of others? What What is it, what's really the issue if we could? And, and you may have a hard time figuring that out, but take your best stab at it. And then you think if that's the issue, then is would this be more of a lead developer care issue? You first ask at that level. Then you drop down one more level. If it's, a, if it's a lead issue, is it more of a set direction, align, motivate, or manage? And finally, after you've picked something out, say, well, I think it's mostly a motivation thing. Then the last E, the E is engage. What can you do about that? I was talking to one leader and asked him about his direct report, and I said, well, how, Uh, How motivated is James? And he says, well, I don't know. Well, I said on a scale of one to ten, how motivated is James? He says, well, maybe a six. So see he did know. Uh, Or it had at least a guess. I said, oh, that's not very good. What motivates James? Now he's, this guy's been working for him for six years. What motivates James? He says, I don't know. I says, well, how could you find out? What demotivates James? I don't know. Well, wouldn't that be a good thing to know if he's working for you? So you can use these things, this face tool, as a diagnostic to think through a particular issue that you're having with someone who looks to you for leadership. Well, thanks. I would encourage you in a, in a setting like this where we're just recording it and with enjoying you everyone online as well. I won't do it. But what I would normally do and would have been doing this whole time is I would be getting you to learn this by heart. And I'll just tell you what that is, but I won't make you do it because my wife is giving me the look there. Uh, (laughs) But I'd say, let's say it together. Lead, set direction, align, motivate, manage, develop, teach, model, coach, care, Know, connect, provide, protect. But that's something that you could do if you'd like. It's something that you can easily share with someone, uh, but it's also something nice to have just for your own reference and thinking about what God is doing in your life, what you're, how you're leading in your own life, and how you're leading people that God has given you. But the three things I'd like to say in closing is it's an integrated model. This isn't a bag of marbles. It is a symphony where each instrument plays its own part and has its own timing. You don't always do all three the same way or at the same time, uh, but they move together in a, in a symphony. Secondly, God has led you and he is leading you. The universe does have a leader, an overall leader, and. It is God the Good Shepherd, Christ the Good Shepherd. The question isn't whether or not he is leading. The question is, how are you responding? How are you following? And is it in your heart to say, God, I'm your penny. You can spend me any way you want. I'm not here as a customer and a client. I'm here as a son or daughter. I'm here as a servant. I am yours now and for always. That you would be able to say, like Jesus said, even when he was 12 years old, I must be about my father's business. I want to finish, he says, at the end of his life. I, I have finished the work that you have given me to do. Wouldn't you want to be able to say that at the end of your life? God has led you and he is leading you right now. And third, take responsibility take responsibility. Let's stop hiding behind our insecurities that says, well, I'm not really a leader. All of us were born to lead under God's leadership, but you were born to rule in the earth over the part that God gives you, whether that's bigger or smaller at any time. The question isn't whether or not you are a leader. The question is what kind of leader are you going to choose to be? And with whatever God has given you to lead, whether that's just your, your own life and your house and your backyard or just your room, you've just got your room and your life. But at other times, you might have children, grandchildren that look to you for leadership. You might have an aging neighbor that looks to you for leadership, what, whatever that is, a, cl- a Sunday school class, and you, you have a role in that class. You are in that amount that God has allowed you, you are ridiculously in charge. And at the end of the day, you have what you have created and what you have allowed. You and I need to embrace the fact that God has called us to be responsible as leaders, and that he will ask us to give an account. This is for every man, every woman, every boy, Every girl, you are a leader. God has made you to be a prince. And I will avoid saying princess because that has other connotations of uh, fashion and beauty, which is also wonderful. But to the women, I also want to say you are a prince of God in the sense that you are a leader of your life, of your flock. Men, women, boys, and girls, you're not a cork floating on the sea. You're not a victim tossed to and fro. You are a leader. And God is seeking to awaken the nobility in you that he has placed in you as a child of the ever-living God, as a prince of God. So, hey, who's in charge anyway? God is over all. And under him, you are over yourself to carry out God's will. And you are over those sheep that God puts under your care by position or influence. God is watching. God will help you. Let's be courageous. Stand up and embrace what God's given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have set the pace. You are a wonderful leader a strong, brave, noble leader that has not turned back from doing what's best, even if we cry and throw a fit. So help us as well, Lord, to embrace the charge that you've given us all the way back in Genesis 1. Rule over the creatures on the earth. Help us, Lord, to do it like you do it in a kind way, a loving way, a sacrificial way. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and help us to respond better to your wonderful leadership and not be so difficult for you. We love you, Lord. We're counting on you. Help us to be able to give an account with joy one day when we stand before your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.